0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, I should have told you this even before I got started, so forgive me, but if you want to pre-mark spots in your Bible, pre-mark Luke chapter 22 and Haggai chapter 2. I believe it's chapter 2, but Haggai, you'll find enough in just finding Haggai, I believe. But find those two passages of Scripture and we will get to them. Now, the title of this is Restoring This Generation, which is the work of this dispensation. I'm talking to Church of the Living Water. And the direction has been given for us. We are to restore this generation. And I believe we will do so. This is a work and restoring this generation it's a work for everybody for each and every one of us. It is not the pastor's work alone. It is a work in which every one of us is to play a role. Do not think you do not fit in. Don't you think that? At the same token, those who are being restored need to have the right mind. And so to that end, there are really just two main things uh, I want to get across to you today. I want to get you across to you the critical nature of this work and I want to get across to you what God is doing. Just those two simple things. Now, we've taught a lot out of Ezra. Uh, We've taught a lot out of Nehemiah, especially when it comes to Talking about restoring this generation, but I do want you to understand that uh, there are other companion books that go along with Ezra and Nehemiah. There's uh, Haggai, there's Zechariah, and all these books have to do with how do I say? I don't, I don't want to spend too long on it, but this is after Israel had been taken into captivity, and in the time of their captivity, the city was in ruin and the temple was in ruin, and then it came time to build. So, in all of these books in Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah, God is dealing with what we will call Reformation. okay And this is where building takes place. Building takes place in Reformation, and I believe we, I say we have been in Reformation for some time. I believe we've been in a Reformation for quite. Sometime. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the body of Christ, especially in this nation. I believe we've been in Reformation. And, and here's Reformation. Reformation is intended to secure you in a position that you should never leave. And all honesty, you should have never have left it. Even when you look at the nation of Israel, why were they in captivity? Because they disobeyed God. And, and so he had a place for them. And that place they were never supposed to leave, but they left because of disobedience. But when the time of Reformation came, he wanted them back in that place and he didn't want them moved. But that's what Reformation... So Reformation is intended to secure you in a position that you should never leave and should never have left. And I want you to understand, it's not that we were in the right place and then left the right place. Because I said we're in Reformation. And a lot of times people hear that like, well, when did we leave God? Well, in all honesty, we're part of the crowd. And by this I mean... Somewhere, someone among the crowd left God and we just moved with the crowd. And we just did what we knew to do because everybody was doing it because that's what we do. And not knowing that it was not in line with the will or the order or in line with the true God. These are traditions that we keep. Um, for instance, I'll just go here real quick. He went to the grave late on Friday and rose early on Sunday morning. But he was in there three days and three nights. You see, But we just went along with the crowd because that's what... We just came into it. That's what everybody had been doing. But we were in the midst of a people that needed reformation. And so I believe God has been dealing with us about reformation for some time. So again, it's not that that you did or knowingly left the right place you just went along with the crowd, and the crowd had left the place where God had intended for us to stay. Remember, Reformation is about being where we're supposed to be and never leaving there. So if we need a Reformation, we've left some things that we never should have left. Okay, so again, this is, this is personal, even though we personally didn't leave the right place. And I want you to understand, even though we don't have... A mass number of ministries talking about Reformation. And I say, we've been in Reformation for some time. I believe it's been over five years. That God has been dealing with us specifically about Reformation. And here's the thing about us. You know, i got to stick with my notes. I really do. Because otherwise I'll waste time. And I don't want to do that. But here's the thing about us. We like new messages. And we've left that which we count old undone. And we need to finish the old before we can go on to the new. And so God has been dealing with us about Reformation for all this time. And and in this, I don't want you to think because a whole bunch of people aren't talking about it, it's not really God. Don't be fooled by numbers. You know, it's not valid because there's a lot of people behind it. It's not valid because a lot of people are talking about it. It's not valid because, you know, it's, it's, it's big. Big doesn't make it valid. You know, here's the thing about Reformation. Reformation doesn't need to start big. It just needs to start wherever it takes hold. Oh my goodness, can you understand this? See, God is behind the reforming. But he needs someone to allow it to take hold. See, he needs someone who's not going to get caught up in new messages. And just pay attention to what God has said to them and make sure that they finish what God has said. So reformation doesn't need to start big. It starts wherever it takes hold. And reformation as it concerns the church is about bringing us, the church, back to the true God and staying in his order. But in order for Reformation to stick, you know what I mean by stick, that's that's a real technical word. (laughs) In order for Reformation to stick, it has got to be passed on across generations. You with me? So when we talk about Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah, when that Reformation was going on, the work of the Reformation period was building. They were building the temple and they were building the walls. And they did it at God's command. See, God's behind the Reformation. Unless the Lord built a house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. I believe a lot of people had a mind to build it, but unless God was doing the building, it wasn't going to be successful. You know, Nehemiah let Reformation catch hold. Ezra let Reformation catch hold. There's some other people we're going to talk about. Zerubbabel and Joshua, the son of Josedek, they allowed Reformation to take hold at God's order. So at God's command, they went to work. The work of Reformation began with building. Now build when it comes to Reformation. Actually, we've learned these things before. We've been taught these things before. But build when it comes to Reformation... Is about two things. Number one, to restore. Number two, to establish. That's building. Building means I'm going to restore and that means I'm going to establish. And understand this, as you restore this generation, you are establishing this ministry. You hear me? As we restore this generation, we're establishing this ministry. And I want you to understand what I mean by establish. By establish, I'm saying, just practically, this is who we are. And this is what we do. And if we deviate from that, we're bothered. I mean, we're very bothered. And I'm not just talking about being change resistant or adverse to change. No, no, I'm talking about keeping with what is Right. I'm speaking about, uh, let me say it this way. Because when we are very ardent about who we are and what we do, and we try to protect that, it can seem religious to people. But when I'm talking established, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about God-supported traditions. Amen? Amen. Can I I tell you this? Can you receive this? I believe you can. Whether you do or not. Passes compensation. I believe that's a God supported tradition. Oh, would it be that the time would come among us. That it would be who we are. And what we do. Oh, tithing oh, wouldn't it be so great that it is who we are and that is what we do and and when someone comes in and is a member of this ministry and doesn't participate in pastor's compensation, doesn't participate in tithing, it bothers us. Then everyone else knows that we're established in those things. Oh, oh, here we go. Marrying somebody who's of the same precious life faith. Oh, wouldn't it be so great if it wouldn't have to be teaching after teaching, admonishing people. Why are you being involved with those who are not believers? We're talking Reformation. Building is the work of Reformation. And we are wall builders. And if there's going to be building, there's going to be restoration to the end of Us being established. And here's the thing about being established. Establishment will always be tested. Always going to be tested. (laughs) And you know how it is when you go through school. Some of us hate tests. I'm alright until they give the test. And they always have more than just one test generally, right? you don't put all of it on one test but i'm going to tell you there, there are many tests to establishment but there's one final exam the test to end all tests this is this is where 99% of your grade rests here's the test the next generation hallelujah the next generation will determine whether we pass or fail And here's the thing about the next generation. Next is always coming. Wow. So the way I see it is that mm, there's an order to this. Right? See, we've got to be so established that this generation is restored. If they pass on to the next generation that which is established that in all honesty, they make sure that the That generation, if they need restoration, be restored. And the generation after, it's just a continual cycle that keeps going. But establishment will always be tested. You know why? Because we have an enemy. Wow, you don't need to really do that. You don't need to go that far. So, what we have is, again, um, um, this is pretty much introduction still. but, But we had Nehemiah building the walls. And I know Ezra is associated with the temple, but it was Zerubbabel and, and Joshua who were behind building the temple. Okay. So they built the walls and they built the temple. So, and doing that, they restored the walls. They restored the temple. Now, restoration has to take place in order for there to be any establishment. Okay. Restoration has to take place. Why? Because you can be established in the wrong position. Just like I talked about our our bad math with three days and three nights. And people will fight you down about that. Why? Because they're established in it. But it's the wrong position. And so in order for that to be corrected, reformation needs to take place. That wrong position needs to be torn down. The truth has to be restored. And then walking in that truth must become the norm. So in order for establishment to take place, there must first be the restoration. Okay? And and remember, I told you there are really two things I want to get across to you. How critical this work is. That's what I want you to see in this. Is that God has ordered reformation. In order for there to be reformation, there must be building. And if there's going to be building, there's going to be restoring and there's going to be establishment. But there can be no establishment if there is no restoration. So God was reforming them. When we look at, again, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah, God was reforming them. That is, once the walls were built and the temple was up, they were supposed to dwell there as a permanent spot where their worship was ordered by God and God alone. In this spot, they were never supposed to leave. Church, we are wall builders. The essential work of this ministry and this dispensation is to restore this generation. Now turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22. The book of Luke, chapter 22. Starting at verse 31. And it reads, Luke 22 and 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. Now, now here we have the Lord and we have Peter, and the focus of the Lord's conversation is Peter and his brother. And he tells Peter, "It's very amazing that just phrase just gets me." When thou art converted, now keep your ribbon. In Luke chapter twenty-two. Turn over to James chapter five, but that word "converted," I'm not going to give you the Greek. Uh, But I will tell you it means to turn again. It means to come again. That same root word is used over here in James chapter 5. Verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the faith, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So, put it in another way, that conversion means restoration. Are you with me? You didn't have to get into the Greek. I'm just showing you another use of that exact same word in another passage. So you understand when Jesus tells Peter, when thou art converted, he says, when you're finished being restored. Turn back to Luke chapter 22. Again, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted. When you are finished being restored, strengthen your brethren. What Jesus does here is he connects Peter's restoration to the restoration of others. Let that sink in. He connects Peter's restoration... To the restoration of others. He tells Peter that the enemy has his eye on you, Peter. <laughs> he wants to sift you like wheat. The enemy wants to bring you down. And know this, this is not personal. Because the enemy has his eye on you. The enemy wants to bring you down. See, we have an adversary who roams about as a roaring lion Seeking whom he may devour. So it wasn't personal. It's not just a, a Peter only thing. This is for all of us. But I like what Jesus said. He says, But I pray for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, do you hear that? And when you are converted, he says, You will be converted, you will be restored. Oh, that's my Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes we stand in positions like, how are we going? He said, no, no, you will make it. It's because I prayed for you. Because I'm on your side. Amen. He says, Peter will be converted. And we'll deal with this a little bit later. But he says, when you are converted. When means it's going to happen, but it's not happening right now. It's not finished right now. We'll deal with that a little bit later. So Peter was in the midst of being restored. I don't even believe Peter recognized he was in the midst of it. (laughs) I really don't. I think his words give him away. But when his restoration takes hold, Jesus said, when your restoration takes hold, remember your brother. Remember your brother. See, when you get yours, There's more getting to be done. Peter is not in this alone. That's what the Lord was telling him. And here's the thing. Jesus was telling Peter, you're going to be more than a living witness. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. He says, when you are converted, strengthen your brother. see, see, because some of us like to, well, I'm a living witness. Yeah, but are you strengthening your brother? He was going to be more than a living witness. He was going to be a strengthener of his brother. See, because others need converting. Others need restoration, Peter. Others are going to be tried. Others are going to be tested. But Peter, once you're restored, you will be able to be their help. You, my family Once you are restored You are to be there To help the restoration Of others Everybody has a role I'm too old to be a member Of this generation And I'll, I'll have you know this about restoration Restoration is not about age So, I don't care if you're not a member of this generation or not, you might be the person who needs restoration. So, you might as well get on right on line with them. I'm going to be restored with you this generation, as old as I am. But if you're not in need of restoration, you must be the one who's been restored. And now that you've been restored, remember your brethren. You got your penny. It's time for somebody else to get theirs. Why not you point them in that direction? will not you lead them in the way? Why not you take them by the hand? Oh, I just pray for them. No, no, you need to get involved with them. You need to get up close and personal with them. If you've been converted, if you've got your penny, then you have a charge from God. Amen. Okay. Calm down. Turn to Joshua chapter one. You can keep your ribbon, Luke, if you want to. But Joshua chapter one. When I saw this scripture, that this made me mindful of the nation of Israel when they were about to enter to the promised land. You know, they were traveling to the promised land, and there was Jordan between them. In the promised land. All they had to do was cross the Jordan, going westward to enter into the promised land. There are some tribes who say, You know what? This land is perfect for us on the east of the Jordan. Why don't we settle here? Why don't we rest here? While the rest go over Jordan into the land of Canaan. And I'm sure and I, I, I have you know Moses said, Yeah, you can have it and I'm sure they had in their mind that once we're settled here, we're good. Y'all go on. Y'all finish the journey. But once we settle here, we're good. I'm sure it crossed their mind. But Moses quickly squashed that. Uh, you'll, You'll see this. He quickly squashed that. And he put them mindful... That they had a charge. That once they were resting, until the other brothers were resting, you can't rest. And then, when it was time to enter, it's because Moses passed. And then Joshua was left behind. And when it came time to go into the battle, Joshua said, now remember, you may be resting on the east side of the Jordan, but we're about to go over to the west. And we're not going to let you stay on the east side while your brother is going to fight the battles on the west side. Joshua chapter 1. Hmm, Amen. Verse verse 10. Let's start at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. Remember, we learned about preparation. Joshua was was prepared. Plans in place. Now, now, the tribes that were on the east, they were the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. So here here they are in verse 12. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half of the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, Given you this land. Now he's talking about the east side of the Jordan. He says, now, now you got your rest. You say you got your penny. You say you've been converted. You say you're too old to be a member of this generation. But God's been good to you. Verse 14 Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed. Let me read that again. But you shall pass before your brethren armed. All the mighty men of valor, and you will help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest. Oh, I'm, I'm, your what? Your brethren? Oh, what? Doesn't this sound like Jesus talking to Peter? See, after you get your rest, Peter, remember your brethren. Until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he has given you, Oh, is this not ministry? All I have to do is just read the scripture and just walk away, right? Just read it and just back up. Until the Lord had given your brethren rest as he had given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then you shall return into the land of your possession and enjoy it. Look, you can't even enjoy it until you've done the work of helping your brethren get through. Oh, I just like that pass it. But you shall pass before your brethren armed. <laughs> you're going to fight with us, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, you're going to take up arms with us. You're going to be in the battles with us. You're going to be sitting back. I'm a living witness. I made it. Now you make it. No, no, you're going in armed. <laughs> Verse 15 again. Until the Lord have given your brethren a rest as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. When it was time to cross the Jordan, they had to bear arms until the promise was fulfilled. That means for not only them but for their brothers as well. Don't think that after you are restored that you don't have a responsibility. To carry on the battle. Even though the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Don't you? I I love how God does it. God's like, no, no, you are going to fight with them. That means they were there for the march around the wall. That means they were there in the midst of them shouting. They were there when the walls came tumbling down. They were there when, in IE, they got defeated. They were there after that they finally put the evil and the sin out from the camp. They were there when they went on to victory in IE. See, they were there for the good and the bad. But they experienced it all with them. Turn it to Numbers. Chapter thirty-two. I, I want you to see this as well. Numbers chapter thirty-two. Because this is Joshua reminding them of what Moses told them. But let's see what Moses told them in Numbers chapter thirty-two. Let's start at verse sixteen. Numbers thirty-two, verse sixteen. And here they are, and this is the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. And they came near unto him, Moses, and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place, and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance." For we will not inherit with them on yonder the side Jordan, of forward, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord, until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and be guiltless. I'm, I'm sorry, wait, wait a minute. That means if I don't return, if I don't battle with them, I'm guilty. Verse 22 again, And the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord. I'm sorry, I've got to stop right here. I, you know, I'm trying to stay with my notes. I really am. But here's the thing about it. Wouldn't the retort be, God, you don't need us. Then you get real spiritual. Remember Gideon. You didn't need the numbers. Why you need the numbers now? Now you need to obey. Because it is wrong for you to get your rest. And then watch others need to have rest. And you have the ability to help them. And you not help them. And the land be subdued before the Lord, then after you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. I like Moses. I kind of want to have been a, a member of his ministry. I just want to see him operate. Because Moses does not play. <laughs> Meekest man on the face of the earth at the time, but he did not play. He says, be sure of this. If you do not, if you're just selling me a bill of goods, trust me, I don't have to deal with you. God and your sin is going to find you out. Uh, but, but, but I want you to see how critical this thing is. And I want you to understand that in this work, there are no bystanders. so you have a charge you've got your penny you've been converted you've been restored now you can't have rest until you go before your brother in arms till you provide the help till you get in the battle with them so don't sit back there and here's the thing about it: someone's waiting for them to come and approach me no no you should be approaching them so I got arms for you brother I got arms for you sister I'm going to help you through this. You're not going to go through this alone. See, I got skills I bring to the table. And they're going to be used on your behalf to help the restoration of this generation. Now, as far as it pertains to restoration, turn back to Luke chapter 22. Again, understand some people are in the early stages of restoration, and they know it. Some are further along. Some believe they've arrived. But I want to, you, want to remind you of the teaching that God has been given us. A heart desiring does not mean it's a heart that is prepared. You hear me? A heart desiring does not mean it's a heart prepared. Because we a lot of, have a lot of people who are desiring. And that's a great desire. But understand, you must be prepared. And so I believe Peter had a heart. I mean, he had a desirous heart, but Jesus was letting him know, yeah, but you're not prepared. Again, the the phrase against me, when thou art converted. When means not at this moment are you converted, but there's a time coming, not now, but in the future where you will be finished with this restoration process. And Peter thought he was complete. Amen. Amen. Peter thought he was complete. He thought he was a finished product. Jesus lets him know, Peter, you're not a finished product. (sighs) Jesus tells Peter that when he is finished being restored, then there's an assignment for Peter to carry out. But first he has to be finished being restored. And I want you to understand, Peter, it doesn't do it justice here. You can turn to the other gospel, and see, Peter was re- ready to argue Jesus down. I am restored. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be there with you to the end. I'm ready to die for you when you're converted, Peter. No, no, you're not hearing me, Jesus. I'm there for you when you are converted, Peter. <laughs> you're not there yet, aren't you? So glad that Jesus wasn't dependent on Peter being converted. <laughs> he was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm the Lord all by myself. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But as for you, you need some more time. You know, let me keep going. We're going to get there. And as finished as Peter thought he was, he needed some more time before he was ready. And he couldn't comprehend what else he needed. (laughs) He thought he had it all. Um, Do you you hear this? You know, I'm I'm trying to keep with my notes. But here's what we do. We get a little bit of knowledge and then our vision I guess the vision gets bad when the head gets bigger and we don't see anywhere close to clearly but we've got something more than we had before but it doesn't mean that we're ready see he couldn't comprehend what else he was missing because he had a limited view now here's my message to you just because you experience a new thing does not mean you have arrived and we thank God for the new things But that does not mean you have arrived. But I got a message for those who are in the midst of being restored. I got a message for you. Are you ready for this message? Now now here's... You can write this down. Alright. I'm going to make time for you to write this down. Here's a message for you in the midst of restoration. You are not called to be an overnight success. I'm, I'm letting you write that down. You are not called... To be an overnight success. I know you may not see. Well, you know that don't seem so positive. But it is the truth. And here's the thing: I I know we spent some time talking about spring (laughs) forth. Spring forth does not mean it's happening overnight. Spring 4th was used in conjunction with the system that is in the earth of sowing and reaping. <laughs> there's a sowing and there's a reaping, but you know what? There's not sow one morning and then the next morning you reap. So don't get it twisted. Spring 4th doesn't mean that it's going to be an overnight success. Restoration is a process. It takes time. Do not rush it. Now, when I say do not rush it, don't drag your feet either. Don't play those games. And when I say don't rush it, I means stick with the instructions you've been given. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it as unto the Lord. Don't drag your feet. But don't get so anxious saying, well, I should already be someplace where you're not. I don't want you to be discouraged because it seems as though you don't compare to somebody else. The only person you should be comparing yourself to is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be battling to apprehend, measuring up to him until the day you die. But outside of that, there should be no more comparisons. So don't be discouraged because it doesn't seem as though you compare with others. Do not be discouraged because it seems you're not advancing as fast as other people are advancing. I'm talking to those who are in the midst of restoration now. Don't be discouraged. Hey, it's like, I'm not as, uh, you're not them. You're not them at all. You know, they seem to, they've been here a short amount of time than I have. And don't worry about them. Worry about you. You don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what's going on with you. Make sure you are doing the will of God. You know, He may have something in store for you. Or probably He does have something in store for you, and you don't have the slightest sense of what it is. Stay the course. You know, when you think about people trying to, they get kind of antsy. You know, because people see uh, comparing themselves to others and like, man, I've been here just as long as they have, and they, it seems like they're teaching and I'm not teaching. All I can do... No, no, no. When you are converted. You know, when you're converted, it'll come. Don't worry about it. You know, I, I keep thinking of... Was that a karate kid? Was that Ralph? Was that his name? Ralph was a karate kid. And Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi had him painting the fences. Like, man, I'm ready for more than... Keep painting, boy. Keep painting. Because when the time comes... Listen to this. You do not want it overnight. You don't want it overnight. Why? Because overnight success does not often endure. Does not often. You don't want it overnight. So I heard it this morning. It was all in the kitchen, right? This is just God ministering. We want to jump out of season and get outside of the will of God, and there are consequences therein that we should not have to suffer if we've just been patient. But you don't want it overnight because overnight success does not often endure. You know, we've had some, this is personal now, right? We've had some issues with our oven. I, I won't even give you the brand name of the oven just because, you know, I'm going to be fair about it. But, you know, we get it fixed. And the next thing you know, it goes out again. So we've been pretty much for the last month or so without an oven outright. And, and you know, we've got stuff scheduled and and so, typically in every household nowadays, if you don't have an oven, you have a microwave. Now, we have other options, thank God. Uh, but if the oven goes out, then most people are left to depend on the microwave. Now, here's the thing about our house. So we, have, we live in a two-story house, and the kitchen is downstairs, and all of the bedrooms are upstairs. So if you want to have something to eat, and your oven is out, and you're depending on the microwave, you've got to nuke it, get it out the, the microwave oven, take it upstairs, and then eat it. Now here's the thing about the microwave. When you nuke that thing, that thing comes out hot. Ooh, it comes out hot, but it doesn't last long. You know, by the time you make it upstairs, you know you you have a uh, uh, good night. You know, whatever you t- have little stuff you say, and then by the time you get upstairs and get in, get cozy, and you know it's it's well. <laughs> now it was steaming when it came out the microwave oven. It was steaming then, and, but by the time it gets to you. Oh, no, And so the microwave never compares to the oven. It's just when, when, when it's cooked throughout, it, there, there's a heat that sticks. You know, and you don't want that microwave stuff. You want that stuff that sticks. You want your change to last. You want the heat to remain. You know, I heard it this morning. Oh, Mrs. Simpson was all in it. I heard it this morning when she talked about King Saul. You know what the king Saul was? He was a product of people who were anxious. They couldn't wait for it to bake in the oven. They needed it quickly out of the microwave. God said, now, 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 wait, you want a king now? Oh, wait a minute, I got somebody in the oven for you. They're like, no, we need something now. We want it hot now, God. God said, okay. Bing! Out pops the microwave king. And God told him, like, hey, if you get this microwave, it's going to go cool on you real quick. They said, we don't care. We don't have time to wait for the oven. Give us the microwave king." But God said, but I got somebody in the oven for you. If you just learn how to wait. See, because there's a David there. See, because David was not an anxious fella. Hallelujah. Uh, David's like, I can wait till I'm converted. Oh, David. David had his lion. David had his bear. David had his experience with the giant. Wow. Even after David was anointed, David was ran out of the kingdom. He still needed more time in the oven. But when he was done, oh, when he was done, I, this, this thing will always be with me. When God tells David, you're going to build me a house? No. I'm going to build you a house. See, see you stayed in the oven, David. See, so you didn't want to come. Here's what I love about David and the giant. See, because David met the microwave king. And here it is, this giant. And David said, Is there not a cause? And, and the microwave king says, oh, I got something popping out of the microwave. Here's some armor for you. And David's like, that's, that's not the right kind of heat. Give me something that's been through the oven with me. Here are five smooth stones that I can trust in. I can't trust in this come quickly overnight type stuff. I need the stuff that's proven. See, see you don't want to be the microwave saint? You want to be the one that comes out the oven. All in God's time. All in God's time. How long, God? God says, I got time in my hand. I'll let you know when it's time. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but I, I see, see this other fellow member who, who's been here a short amount of time and it seems like they're advancing. You stay in the oven. They might have just came out the microwave. You stay in the oven. See, David was prepared. See, because... Think about how we talk about David and Saul now. Saul, we we talk about the bad example. David, we keep talking about the son of David. Which one do you want? You don't want it too quickly. Don't rush God. He knows what he's doing. You know, sometimes we just got to get to the place where you just trust. Trust. Distrust. Now here's what I want you to see. Hmm. I just want you to consider this. I want you to consider how God moves. We won't go through all these scriptures, but... In the beginning. God was already there. And you remember, darkness was over the face of the deep. God said, you know what I'll do with darkness... I'll move from darkness and I'll go to light. He takes the evening and then brings in the morning. Let's look at God's movements. We live in the time of the New Covenant, but before the New Covenant, there was an Old Covenant. So God takes from the Old Covenant and He brings us into the New Covenant, which Hebrews tells us is a better covenant. Establish one, better promise. You kind of get God's movements with me? He takes darkness, and then he brings in light. He takes the evening, and then he brings in the morning. He takes the old, and then he brings in the new, which is better. Look at this. Uh, He brought in priests and kings first. Like David. And we, we can talk, David's a great king. But then he brings in the king of kings. You see what God does? You see how God progresses? When it comes to God's purpose, He takes it up and not down. Stay with me. He takes it up and not down. Who reigns? My God reigns. How does He reign? He keeps taking it up. (laughs) He never digresses. He always progresses. Always moves it forward. Always moves it to a better position. Always moves it to a higher position. That's our God. Now I told you to find Haggai. Now it's time to turn there. Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. God always takes it up. Verse number 1 in Haggai chapter 2. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel. Remember who Zerubbabel is? Zerubbabel and Joshua, they were partners together in building the temple. Okay. So in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, "Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Hear here what God is saying. He's saying, Now I put you on this building project. All right. And... and, and You know, the temple is in bad shape. Now, I want to call to those of you who left this in the shape when it was in good shape. And I want you to recall how it looked when you left it. And, And remember how good it looked at that time. Now look at it. It's in bad shape, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, God, it's in bad shape. But I like how God says it. Again, let's look at this in verse 2. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Joseph, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, "Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? You know what first means? First means there must be something after. And I think we've seen a pattern with God. I think we identify that pattern with God. If He starts something, but it's just first, You know what the second is going to be? It's going to go up a notch. And so he's he's doing a teaching here. Oh, this is just God. Now look at it right now. It don't look like much, does it? Verse 3. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong all you people of the land said the Lord and work for I am with you said the Lord of hosts oh did you catch that he says be strong it doesn't look like as much right now but be strong why because I'm with you that's enough to keep me because I'm with you in other words you know here is faith Walk by, not sight, but walk by that which you do not see. Walk by the true and the living God in His Word to you. Because He's doing something. God, what are you doing? It's time to trust. Huh. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel. It don't look like much right now, saith the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Joseph, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord. And work... It may not look like much now, my brothers and my sisters. But if there's a second coming. Stay with me. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once, it is a little while. And I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. Do you hear him? A little while, stay in the oven. Stay in the oven, God. I just want it. I want it right now. I want it all right now. Stay in the oven. Yet a little while, you're going to see me move. For thus said the Lord of hosts: Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come And I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts The silver is mine And the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts Check this out It may not look like much right now compared to the first Lord But the glory of this latter house Shall be greater than the former saith the Lord of hosts And in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts Glory to God Here it is We're working. And it doesn't look like it amounts to much at all. God even says, it don't look like much, does it? He says, but wait in the oven. Give it a little time. And I'm going to move. Because I'm with you. The glory of the latter will exceed the glory of the former. That's what God is doing. I'm telling you, this, this to me this is remarkable. Don't be intimidated. That's what God is telling us. That's what God was telling Zerubbabel. That's what God was telling Joshua. That's what God was telling the people at that time. Do not be intimidated. It seems like what you're doing is not going to amount to much. It doesn't seem like it's amounting to much of anything at all. But I'm telling you, it's going to be greater than it was before. It's hard to imagine. You remember our founding pastor. It's hard to imagine. But this is God's work. I like what he said. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Don't be intimidated. This is not a slight on those who who have gone on before us. It would seem as though saying that what we're going to do is greater than what had been done before is a disservice to the first builders, those who came before us. It seems like it would be a disservice. And I want you to know they are to be respected. They are to be honored. But God's purpose is greater than the people we want to honor. it's greater and look comparisons of now versus then they are inevitable and if the latter exceeds the former who gets the glory it's god so what is god doing god is doing greater But it don't look like greater to me right now, God. God is doing greater. In other words, his work is greater than you, or me, or any of us. His work is greater than those who came before us. Look, Look at this. The greatness of Moses is not to be disputed. After all, he was the one who ushered in tabernacle worship which the temple was based off of and to hear God say that the latter glory will exceed the former that does not diminish Moses and his greatness but there's a next coming do you hear me church there is a next coming and it is God's doing And the desire of God is to go to another level in the next. Look, one day, I still remember me coming to this ministry. You know, I I was 24. Wet, wet, wet behind the ears. Uh, But now the tables have turned a little bit. You know, now I'm looking from a different perspective. You know, one day I'll be gone. One that there'll be no more me walking this earth as it is right now you know and and there will be those that I have left behind you know I know these aren't comfortable situ- uh, conversations we'd like to have but in all honesty because I go on doesn't mean God's work stops you know we've got those who who are leaders in this ministry one day your time is going to be up. And There are going to be others who come behind to fill the room that we once occupied. And there's a next for them. And the expectation of God is that they take it to another level. (sighs) But once our time is up, those who come behind us should do better. They should do better. I I want you to know this about your founding pastor. You know, I heard him say it and I remember him saying these things way back when. But he would tell the ministers, I expect you to minister better than I do. You talking about our founding pastor? <laughs> Excuse me? I expect you to minister better than I do. What, what's he saying? Those who come after me should do better. Why? Because it's not about me. And listen to this. And I have to move forward. But doing better is built on receiving what you are given. And work it to the the best of your ability. That's all it is. We're not asking for a miracle. (laughs) Just receive what you're given. See, because you have a leg up on those who are leaving it behind for you. Because they didn't get it probably as early as you're getting it. Just work it. Not asking for a miracle. Okay? So Moses did outstanding. Moses was a great and... He still respected as being great, but his assignment went only so far toward the promise. Only went so far. See, he only got a glimpse of the promised land. Joshua took him in. You see, they went to another level. Uh, uh, you missed that? It's, don't miss that. See, see, Moses took him to the precipice. He took him so far, but then came Joshua. And Joshua said, it's time to enter into your rest. God took it to another level. See, that's a that's movement of God. And while we sit up here, and, 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 and trust me, trust me, it's hard to imagine, but God spoke it through Haggai the prophet, saying, look at it now. I know in your minds it doesn't compare it to where it has been, but I'm doing a work. Stay in the oven. Stay right there. Don't be anxious. Because I'm going to do some shaking. If you stay right there. And when I'm finished shaking, the latter shall be greater than the former. So, so because Joshua took him into the promised land, that did not diminish Moses. Didn't diminish him at all. Because you go further than those who came before you does not take away their greatness. It doesn't. But always remember that as great As a man is, Jesus is greater. God's purpose is greater. I thank God for pastors, our founding pastor and our current pastor, who understand this and have no issues with it. I believe our our founding pastor is worthy of all honor, but I believe he'd be the first one to tell us, take it up. Make it greater. Let God be glorified. Look, God will take men who are not considered great and do great things. And then by virtue of their association with God's greatness, they become identified as great. That's what he told Moses. See, Moses, I made you like God to Pharaoh. See, I have made you that way. You didn't get there on your own. It's because you're on my purpose. Because you're in my will. Because I'm with you. God exalts His purpose over men. Now, you know, I'm going to have to jump right to this. Turn back to, well, actually, you're in Haggai. Turn to Zechariah. Chapter 4. Now, here's the question. How did Peter go from needing converting to being a strength to his brothers? How is it that the Reformers... In Ezra and Nehemiah's time go from mere men with everyday struggles to those who completed the work that God said was more glorious. How did that take place? Because I understand it can be intimidating. How's this going to happen? You know, I I, I just can't imagine us doing better than we were doing before. I just just can't see it. Zechariah chapter 4. And just because I like the imagery, I'm going to read from verse number one. I just want to get to verse six, but I just want to read starting at verse number one. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it. And its seven lamps there are on and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. You know, that's the spirit of God. And two olive trees by, and one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered, and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's not by power. It's not by might. But it is by the Spirit of God. This is how the glory of the latter shall be greater than the former. It's by the Spirit. It's called grace. Which means it is by the Holy Spirit. Who is a. Uh, let me make sure you understand this. He's a helper. He is not a doer. <laughs> he is a helper. As you do it, he will help it. As you go armed before your brethren, so shall the Spirit of God be with you to help you. As you submit yourself to the restoration process, so then the Holy Spirit will be a helper to you. And you'll find out it won't be by your might. It won't be by your power. It won't be by your experiences. It won't be by your resume. It won't be by your skill set. It will not be by your education. It will not be by your finances. It will be by the Spirit of God. Look, all born-again believers have received of the Spirit, but it is very possible to grieve the Spirit. But you got to know... Ah, turn back to Luke 22. I, I just... For some reason, I just got to keep, I just got to see it. Luke chapter 22. And we'll finish here. Verse 31 and 32 again. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When you are converted, this means you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Though it is tough, you will make it. Though it won't always be smooth, you will make it. Why? Again, I love it. Jesus said, because I prayed for you. In other words, because I'm with you, Peter. (laughs) You see, stick with Jesus. Stay with him. Wow, he has the winning recipe. You'll make it. Though it's tough, you will make it. God has created each and every one of us to be able to handle the tough stuff. You may not have handled it before, but you have the capacity to do it. How else can He tell us to endure hardness as a good soldier? See, that'd be wrong of God to tell us and do a hardness when well, you can't, but you can. But the fullness of that capability comes with the Spirit. And I want to say this, especially for this generation, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And I, I, again, here's one of these things that I do believe in my study of the Scripture, Okay? I believe, I, I know there are many things out there. You get it all. In all honesty, yeah, you have the full Holy Spirit, but are you filled with the Spirit? It seems to me uh, that in Ephesus, when they went to minister in Ephesus, the people had received salvation, the born-again experience, but yet Peter and John had to go down and make sure that after they had received their salvation, that they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe this is me again, this is you can do, do your own study whatever. I believe the, that candlestick with the, the seven uh, uh, pipes on it. I believe that's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's just me talking. and, and I believe as a New Testament's body of believers, we're supposed to have it all. And I think there's too many times where we, we try to, again, hear it? We're talking about Reformation. We're talking about being in a place where we should never have left. Oh, I don't have time to go through this. But I believe we have left off some of the gospel in this present day. I believe we've gone so far as to receive Jesus, but not have continued the message to make sure that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Because I believe these are the baptisms for us. That we're to be baptized in the body of Christ. That we're to be water baptized. And we're to be baptized by Christ into the Holy Spirit. See, somewhere we left those things. But, but we failed to teach it because we just did what the crowd did. But this is the time of reformation. And part of the restoration is to get the true gospel. The full gospel out there. And those who are being restored, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's not about speaking in tongues. It's about the power. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses. I believe the church is weak in its witness because we have not received the power. But if the latter is going to exceed the former, we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit church our work is to build which means restoration and establishing is going to happen as we restore this generation we are also doing the work of establishing this ministry this is why this is so critical and know this every one of us has a role within this building effort each and every one of us you have no rest until you help your brothers enter into theirs And even though you cannot see it now, if God be with us, that's based on our walk. Then the glory that is coming will exceed the glory that we have seen. Because God is doing greater. God is faithful ministry. God is faithful, Church of Living Water. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.